We're going to be in the songbook this evening, number 559, 559, The Joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. I will not falter, I will not faint. He is my shepherd, I am not afraid. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. He will uphold me all of my days. I am surrounded by mercy and grace. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. I will not waver walking by faith. He will be strong to deliver me safe. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Number 569, sweeter than all. 569, 69, 569. Christ will me his aid afford, never to fall, never to fall, while I find my precious Lord, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. Jesus is now and ever will be, Sweeter than all the world to me, since I heard his loving call, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. I can follow all the way, hearing him call, hearing him call, finding him from day to day, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. Jesus is now and ever will be sweeter than all the world to me. Since I heard his loving call, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. When I reach the crystal sea, voices will call, voices will call, 
But my Savior's voice will be sweeter than all, sweeter than all. Jesus is now and ever will be sweeter than all the world to me. Since I heard his loving call, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. Number 590. 590. Jesus is all the world to me. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, my friend in trial sore. I go to him for blessings and he gives them more and more. He sends the sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain. Sunshine and rain. Harvest of grain, he is my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, I want no better friend. I trust him now, I'll trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend, beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life, eternal joy, he's my friend. Number 610, I love my Savior too. (coughs) 610. Jesus, my heavenly King, loves me, I know. Praises to him I sing, onward I go. Closely to him I cling, blessings still flow. I love my Savior too. I love my Savior. He loves me too. Seek his favor in everything I do. Walking with him each day, love light us shine. Doing his will always, never repine. Kneeling to him I pray, thy will not mine. I love my Savior too. I love my Savior, he loves me too. I seek his favor in everything I do. 
Happy to serve my friend, lean on his arm. Rapture will never end, nothing alarm. Voices will sweetly blend under his charm. I love my Savior too. I love my Savior. He loves me too. I seek his favor in everything I do. Song after our lesson will be number 912. 912. And he loves you too, and welcome to our evening assembly. Tonight, changing views of good. I'm not going to talk real long, but I think this is one of the most foundational subject matters we could ever uh, lay our eyes on in Scripture and hear by our ears. And, and I hope things are well with you tonight. Changing views of good. Now, you might say, Bob, that's really rather redundant and fundamental. It is very much fundamental. The problem is our world has gone bananas to use a fruit metaphor. Last week, if you'll remember, uh, David Pearson was up here. We had a drip. I didn't notice it, but he sure did, and he went to get a bucket, and uh, Monday morning it was still uh, dripping right up yonder there. And uh, if you were here, you were aware of it. I'm using this as an analogy to break into our lesson here tonight. Because what we're noticing is a shift in the, the con concept of what good is. And that's why I called the lesson tonight, Changing Views of Good and the Changeless Goodness of God. So somebody might say, well, yeah, we had a problem last week. We had a leak. That's true. Someone might say, well, the problem was the rain. And we did get a heavy downpour, and that's partially true also. So another might say, well, you know what the real problem is here? The riff is the problem. There's a faulty uh, aspect to the asphalt up there. We have a riff problem. So which is it? Uh, generalized uh, speaking, the leak is the problem. The rain is the problem. The roof is the problem. Well, the problem is we didn't have a bucket. And David went and got a bucket, and now he took care of the problem. Well, he temporarily resolved the problem. So I ask you tonight, what was the problem? Now, we are living a social uh, thing going on here in America, and I've lived in Europe, and I might say Europe also. But what the rain is not the problem. The Bible says in Genesis 7-4, I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Rain comes from God. Acts 14 and verse 7 God says, I gave you rains and for the seasons and the fruit of the land and so forth. See, I, I'm unwilling to say the rain is the problem, but we have a lot of people going on in, in the weirdness of 2022 are saying, you know, the rain is the problem. And so we, we come into our lesson here for a little while tonight, and then we'll go and we'll hold with the 50s 
back yonder, and and uh, that's all good too. Tonight, I wish to introduce this language to you, and the language um, you might say, Bob, you've been doing this many years, yes, but I, I did a thorough research for me. See, I can't talk to you unless I get it myself. I feel very satisfied and confident in what I'm about to tell you. But I came upon this phraseology here. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Now, a lot of times we just read a scripture and say, yeah, yeah. But this is reoccurring in scripture, and this is a big deal. If you wonder, well, what what really is a big deal in this book? I would say the goodness of God and the concept of good, this is one of the big 12. And so, are we saying that socially we're changing? Yes, that's exactly what we're saying tonight. The world is changing in its viewpoint about good. We're experiencing changing views of God. And inevitably, if we're a growing church, there's going to be seeping into the Lord's church people that hold some of these aberrant views about good. And it's up to us to hold the traditional Judeo-Christian values view of God, or let's stop calling ourselves Church of Christ, Churches of Christ, Church of God. We, We can't have it both ways, so that's what we're up to here tonight. So a language formula, I call it a formula, Because it's reoccurring. It occurs here and there. And Ezra chapter 3 and verse 11 in the Psalms, all over the Psalms. But it's not by accident that this language is given in Scripture. And that's what we're talking about tonight, this formula. It's a basis of the theology of the goodness of God. And by the way, as we go on, there's no connection between God and good. Well, that's an overstatement. Um... There is a connection, but not linguistically speaking. God, G-O-D, sounds like G-O-O-D, but there's no uh, language connection. So here we go. Now, in order to get this right, what I've done is I've gone back to the, the question, why? Why are we even talking about this? Why has there been a change in good, the way good is viewed? <laughs> and I'll give you ten reasons. I sat down and I... I tried to come up with something useful. I'm sure if you can get 13, that's fine, or 24. But I think these 10 will put us in the ballpark. Number one, uh, 10 factors. How do you account for changes in good? Number one, knowledge of God has decreased. Amen. We're living in a a situation right now uh, that is reminiscent, I think, at least at some point, of Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We have some people come in the doors and they exit and so forth. Knowledge is, you say, what's the deal with knowledge? Knowledge is inseparable from from Torah. Now, the actual Hebrew uh, meaning of Torah is guidance. Now, I know that Paul uses it in a negative sense in Romans, and it should be in that context, but not always. The word itself means the guidance. God is wishing to give Torah guidance to his people. But knowledge of God is on the, uh, the decrease. So why has there been a change? Root causes. Where does change come from? It just 
doesn't happen. It comes from somewhere. Number two, God is who we want him to be. Some are saying, well, you know, that's just your business, your view of God. And she has a different view of God. Well, a part of it is that method of, well, God is whatever you do. Well, see, that's a reversal of the Genesis. God made man in, in his image. We are making God in our image. It's nothing but a silly dove-like reversal. You can't do that and get away with it in eternity. Number three, there are many ways to God. I've heard this on media, uh, platforms, television. Oh, you know, there are many ways to God. There are many ways to good. Who are you to say that your view of good is better than my view of good? Huh? Uh, basically, it's technically called pluralism. But the, that idea here. And uh, there are many ways. But Jesus said, I am the way. Huh? The way. Not a way. I am the way. Number four, good is being determined on a feeling level. There's very, very little thinking going on in the marketplace. Uh, on Main Street, a lot of times, now that's not to say uh, that there aren't thinkers out there, but we've uh, socially reversed from I think, therefore I am, Rene Descartes, to I feel, therefore I am. See, we're grounding reality in feelings, not thinking anymore. That's a social change, a shift. Number five, increased exposure to pagan culture. With uh, YouTube and TV and computerization, uh, we get exposed more and more to pagan ideas. These are pagan ideas for the changing of good. Number six, loss of generational values being transmitted. Uh, loss of generational values. I think it speaks for itself, but uh, that could be expanded upon. Number seven, good is being defined more and more materialistically. Well, what is good? Well, good is getting a job. Why would you go to college? To be able to get a job. Huh? Why do you go to college? Well, it's a practical thing. Now, that can be traced philosophically to John Dewey in the 1930s. But here it is, full circle, practical. Why, that's not practical. Why would you go to church on Wednesday night? That's about the least practical thing I know of. Unless... You're in touch with the creator, redeemer of the universe. Number eight, the gospel is being influenced by Marxism. Uh, I first encountered this in the 1980s, and I'm like, Marxism? How could Marxism possibly be a problem for the church? Marxism, the foundation of Marxism is atheism. I'm just telling you how it is. And Marxism is nothing but class struggle. And when you get people warring, there's a need for some arbiter or some umpire. Anyway, I could expand upon these, and I should, but tonight I'm giving you the reason why. This goes to the root causes. These are the ten big boys. Uh, when Marl and I were in college in Michigan a long time ago, they had a big boy restaurant. How many of you know big boy restaurants? There's a... Uh, little kid standing outside with a hamburger. But these are the ten big boys. If you don't take these seriously, 
you're not going to understand where we are culturally in the United States of America. Number eight, the gospel is being influenced by Marxism. Number nine, it's a dismal reversal of evil. The word reversal is very directly applicable because a reversal of evil is, once you used to be here, let's just flip it over, and now that's right. And now good is, is relegated to whatever and whoever wants to say uh, whatever they want to say. And finally, the tenth reason here is the idea of a complete revision of how reality is determined. You might say, hey, Bob, what is reality? My response, God orders reality. That's Genesis. In the beginning. See, God orders reality. But if I don't believe in God or I marginalize God, then I can shift reality, and my reality is the only reality that matters, and that's called phenomenology. But that's not right. God... You know, whatever I believe, reality is beyond Bob. I don't determine reality, but a lot of people are running around saying, well, that's real for me. See, but just because you say it doesn't make it so. All right, uh, we're moving on, and if you want to talk further, we should. But we go on to our next little subject matter here. Some areas of changing views toward good. Now, I could have left, listed about 11 of these, but I'll just give you A through G. Number one, marriage and family. Uh, remember, we are created in the image of God. That's no longer on the table as a view of reality. Marriage is changing. Uh, marriage and the family are changing. I, I don't need to get specific. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Number two, transgender counseling. Um, Trans species, that's kind of cute, but it's also aberrant. See, in the beginning, you created the male and female. You say, that's hackneyed. That may be hackneyed, but I didn't write the book. God did, and I believe that there's a God behind all of this. Number three, devaluing of the unborn. See, I get tired. Uh, we, had a, we had an elder in the church, I won't tell you where, in a different state. He said, oh, I, I don't believe in abortion. But he's always voting for it. That'll be taken care of one day when God rights all wrongs. Decriminal justice philosophy. Um, I've spent a lot of time talking about natural law, uh, thinking about natural law and uh, the, the philosophy of justice. And uh, it's all, in our past century, the 20th century, traceable to Oliver Wendell Holmes, one of the sitting uh, judges. And it's the philosophy began to change under Holmes. And you can check that out for yourself. But now we're in a, a completely um, crooked deal Equality, now it's equity, and you can figure that out if you're a Christian. A.E., the work ethic has changed. See, these are all areas in which good or goodness has evolved. See, if the only thing that will get you excited and motivated is a check from the government, you're in trouble at that point. God, changing views about God. 
I, I know people are saying, well, you're telling me Jesus is good. Jesus was not good, and God is not. The God of this book is not good. Well, that's my position, uh, that he is good, and his son is good. And uh, people will say whatever they want. It doesn't make it so. And finally, the people of God. You know, you're, you're nothing but a, a blankety-blank, and you're not with the program. So, changing views of God, changing views of Jesus, changing views of the people of God. And uh, God is no longer necessary, is, is the big cry of our world. So, where are we tonight uh, in Texas, in America? Where are we? 201 Northwest, is it Northwest? 201 Northwest 2nd Street. That's where your ge- geography is. But where are you in your thinking? Where are you in your feeling tonight? Um, in order to get this right, you ought to look with me in Isaiah 5 and verse 20. And I think I've put it up here for you. Woe to those who call good evil good and good evil. See, there's the reversal. Kevin, that's the deal. We were talking, chatting earlier. This is the big flip-flop waffle. Calling good evil and evil good. Now, that was going on in Isaiah's day thousands of years ago, and it's still going on today, and it's had resurgence uh, here in the last decade at least. And um, woe to those. Uh, The distinction between good and evil are important and have ultimate significance. In order to prove that, I'd like to invite you to Matthew chapter 13 for a little bit of a parabolic little discussion here by our Lord. And uh, go with me to Matthew 13.24, and this will be made plain. What will be made plain? The idea that good and evil have important consequences. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13. 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Well, we're talking about good tonight, right? He sowed good seed in his field, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. 26, so when the plants came up and he bore and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. The question is, are you saying that good and bad are, are important? Yes. And this parable proves it. There's good and there's evil. Huh? There's synonyms for good, uh, good and synonyms for bad. Bonnie Ross, Kakas, and etc. So where are we? This is where we are. We're living in a time when, when socially norms are being reversed. And so I give you uh, the next 
<coughs> slide here. Three points about good. See, this is uh, really, really the theology of good. If you can get on this. So we've talked about where we are socially. Let's go to where we are biblically. Turn with me. Um, I'll be calling out a few scriptures here. But get ready for the Psalms. Open, if you have your Bible, to Psalms. And preliminary to that, I will give you the first of three points about good. Number one, God orders reality. Uh, Genesis 1.31, he looked on all the creation and he declared it by his word, by the word of the living God, the Almighty, he declared that's good. So I know what's good. What God has made originally was good. Now man has sought out many inventions and uh, many uh, reversals along the way, but I know that reality is ordered by God. Good. And then in 131, he said, very good. I looked up the Italian text, molto buono. Number two, good is used permanent, preeminently of God, permanently too. But good is he will be eternally good. It's used, however, uh, preeminently of God. Man says this is good. Man says that is good. But God does not change. God is good and he is always good. Now, what I'd like to show you in the book of Psalms here is 106. Begin in 106, and I will show you that from Genesis, when he declared all to be good that he had created, now, thousands of years later, the psalmist is talking about, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We're still talking about it because it's foundational. In uh, Psalm 106, it begins, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. How about Psalm 107? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 107, verse 1. How about 118? 118, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. How about 136? Psalm 136, I told you this was a formula, and this is why we say that it's a formula, because it's reoccurring in the same form or or a vague modification. And so 136, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. See, this isn't some some, um, rarity in Scripture. This is replete all through the Bible, because God's goodness is worthy of declaration. And... um, How about Jeremiah? Let's go to Jeremiah now. Now we're talking about uh, 400 years later. If I can find Jeremiah. And uh, chapter 33 and verse 11. Uh, uh, Jeremiah 33 and verse 11. Now 400 years from David and the psalmist. And it's written uh, 33, 11. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. uh, Sabaoth. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. Notice how the Lord's people are always involved in the movement of the goodness of God. See, changing views of God and the unchanging goodness of God. Thank God, right? Can you say amen to the goodness of God? Amen. This this theology of the goodness of God, we come to Ezra. Watch this. 3.11, Ezra, and uh, in chapter 3 and verse 11, and it reads like this. Now we're a hundred more years, a couple hundred more years, 
in Ezra chapter 3 in verse 11. And we have these words. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. See, whatever achievement may be advanced, it's always based upon the foundation of the goodness of God. And so this became to the people after exile, and they came home, and they rebuilt the walls and the temple, and it's all based on the goodness of God and how God gives providentially to his people, and his people responsively open up in song. And the song that they open up with uh, here is the very idea that it would become their life song. Um, number three, three points about God, if I might, uh, about good. The inherent goodness of man is a lie. Now, this is very important. Uh, this deserves a whole sermon, Bryce. Uh, I know man cre- God created man uprightly in the beginning, but man sinned, and they have sought out many inventions. And Jeremiah talks about the sottish. That's an old word, but it means stupid, muddle-headed. Man has gone his own way, and sin is man's greatest problem. Now, if you want to marginalize sin, then let's talk about the beauty of, of humanity. But That's not the biblical view. The biblical view of man is that he is not good because man is a sinner in need of a savior. Now, I'd imagine in this audience or the larger audience of the churches of Christ in the state of Texas, let's say, I bet there are many who would say, hey, wait a minute, Bob, man is good. That's false. And we can talk about it. The Bible portrays man in a very distinct way. And Paul lays it out in the book of Romans, chapter 3, especially in chapter 3. And uh, it's worth looking at. But it can't be your life song. If you're good, you don't need a Savior. God, your Savior, that's in Titus. And uh, in Titus, the greatest uh, frequency of the word good occurs, perhaps in all the New Testament. I'm not sure Titus is so, so small, but many times. But uh, you can't have it any way you want it. And... Uh, in order to make his goodness your life song, to lead you all the way home, that would be very, very important. And uh, I'm fumbling with the slides, but uh, would you make it your life song, make God's goodness your life song? Changing views of good and the unchanging goodness of God. Perhaps tonight... This has been an eye-opener. I don't know. I hope it challenges each one of you as it has me. Um, See, don't worry about stopping the rain. Uh, The bucket, that's just a drop in the bucket. That was good, David. But what's the problem? The rain or the roof or the leak or the bucket not being? What's the problem? God will tell you the problem. And each of you need to go with the solution that God has. Man is a sinner before a holy God and a just God, but he's also a God who who has come and shown himself 
uh, to be mo- so good and good to the point of backing it up with the life of his son, Jesus. See, God is not the problem, as rain is not the problem, and government is not the solution. See, why are we even talking about government? Oh, open your Bible, do a study on government, see where the, a lot of times where the views go intellectually, in the arts, in the music, uh, then into the colleges and the universities, the upper echelons of the elite, and, and then into government. See, I'm not, I'm not going to wipe out government. See, we live under the government, Romans 13, see? And governments come and go, some are better than others. But the structure of government is given by God, and the gospel does not just put a bucket under it. The gospel doesn't put a band-aid on the problem. The gospel comes and uh, beautifully portrayed by Leslie this morning. And tonight, if you're open to God and his goodness, and perhaps you'd like to respond in Christian baptism, uh, resolve the sin problem. According to the New Testament, um, if you're so inclined, uh, that'd be great. It's good to see everybody tonight. Let's return to the goodness of God as we stand and sing. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary, burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Cast your care on Jesus today, leave your worry and fear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Troubled soul, the Savior can see, every heartache and tear. Burns are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. You were not here this morning to partake of the Lord's Supper. You can partake of that this evening in our fellowship hall. Uh, If you'll pass that way while we sing this closing song, uh, you'll be served there. Number 853. When we all get to heaven. 853. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. 
When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, we come before you humbly because we know that you are good. We know, Father, that all that you do is good, and we know that you know all things. We thank you, Father, for Jesus, for the hope that we have in the sacrifice he made for us. I pray, Father, that you'd be with us and never let us forget what he did for us. We thank you, Father, for this church. I pray that you'd be with us and help us to grow, help us to be loving towards one another and towards all that's out there. We thank you, Father, for our families. Pray that you'd bless them. Pray that you'd be with those that are sick. Pray that you'd be with those that have lost loved ones. We thank you, Father, for the love that you show us every day. And pray that we'll show that to people that we meet. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.